0: for all those times when we thought you'll never come through. Forgive us for doubting your promise, oh God. You know, the most difficult time to praise is when you've had a promise and it's not fulfilled yet. Father, forgive us for thinking you would never come through. Forgive us for thinking you're a liar, that you would promise and not come through, oh Lord. Lord, you've started something in our hearts and our lives. You've given us a taste of eternity. Father, I declare that you will not stop until you're finished. And Lord, we say whatever you need to do, get our attention. Father, today we turn our hearts back to you in the name of Jesus. I used to sing that song when I couldn't breathe. My lungs were unable to work, the Lord had promised me that I'd be able to once again sing his praises. And I said, but Lord, I don't have the breath. He said, no, it's my breath in your lungs. <laughs> so when we sing that song, I just can't help to think about that time when he promised and he hadn't come through yet. I close my eyes and I say, ah, oh, it's the breath of heaven. I can sing now, Father. We thank you. It's your breath. You are the great one. Forgive us for carrying an idol in our heart that you weren't big enough. Father, forgive me for all those times I thought, "Will you? E- when were you ever going to come through?" But Lord, today I will promise. I will praise because of the promise. And Lord, time is in your hands. And you manifest that in your time. Because you do make all things beautiful in your time. And I'm okay with that. Finally, in your name, amen. You can be seated. I got a few things in my heart to share this morning. And um, if I don't get through them, I'll just carry on next week. My, um, I'm going to talk about the book of Joel, but... When I get reading through that, I was thinking about something my grandpa used to say. He said that you can't shut your ears, but you can always shut your mouth. <laughs> when you're talking, you're not learning, he used to say. Um, <clears throat> boy, I have a lot of things kind of stored up in my heart. And I want to try to get through them in the proper time. First of all... I forget those people that are watching online. So good morning, Gordon, Joanne, and Tori, and Andre over there in Seattle. Welcome to church. But you're missing out. You should have been here. Do you know it's interesting? Because during, as soon as I came in this morning, I felt the presence of God as soon as I came in here. Um, I mean, it wasn't like a super strong presence. But when I agreed with the presence was here, it got bigger, stronger. It's got stronger ever since. Somebody said to me this week that you know, um, we've been coming to church now for a while and we haven't felt the presence of God. And, you know, I said, well, it's funny, many others do. Um, <laughs> I just wonder, like, I think that there's a part that we play, am I right? But then I think there's a part that you play, am I right? <laughs> I think... Okay, I'm a little, I'm just a tad loud here. Just turn me down just a bit. I hope you don't believe everything that you think. (laughs) Your body does. Your body, your body's a good, he'll tell you. And I hope you don't believe everything that you trust. Sorry, I hope, no, I hope you don't trust everything you feel. Um, there's something that's very interesting that I've learned about the Lord. And many times you don't quite have words to explain when the Lord's doing something. And I just want to say, first of all, I have way more questions than I have currently answers. The Lord's not under any obligation to answer my questions at any time. But I think it's important if you have a question, you should ask the question. Even if you don't get an answer, I think it's important to ask a question. Here's what I've discovered about the Lord. Is that, um, God sees two versions of you. And that's, and, that, and that's not division. That's provision. Because he sees you where you're at today and he sees who you can become. He sees them both at the same time. I don't know how he does that. But he keeps wanting to move me from where I am to where he knows I'm meant to be. And there's many times that it's hard for me to say where he wants me to be because I'm kind of comfortable where I am. So I'm going to say some things that will challenge you this morning, but you shouldn't worry about that at all because we don't change unless we're challenged. Um, so God is all, he's, he, he loves us. I'm going to talk about a, one, a book of the Bible that's one of the most misunderstood, and, uh, most misunderstood and I'll probably talk about a, 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 a passage that's misunderstood and misquoted. That's Romans 8, 28. Because unless you're in agreement with his purposes, things will not always work good for you. He said that, we, don't, we love to say that all things work together for good. Well, not if you are in rebellion against him. That's not going to go that good. <laughs> but to those who are walking in their calling, that's according to his purpose. So, so his purpose for you and me is much greater than we're experiencing today creates a little conflict within us. But he's, he knows where we need to be and where we're designed to be and his purpose for where we could be. And he's doing everything he can to get us there. What's required is our agreement with his purpose for our life. Thank you. I was thankful for Pastor Sam last week. He knows how to draw the net so well. Thirteen people made first-time decisions for Christ. And, and if, you didn't, if I didn't meet you yet, I'd love to meet you. When I met, when I met Sam, I told him he... Uh, actually, after the service, I said, you've been a blessing the last couple of years, but you were a pain in the you-know-where for a long period of time before that. <laughs> and then I just thought, like, that's a, that was an autobiographic statement. <laughs> because I was a pain for the Lord before I decided to agree with his purpose. And let me tell you, there was a battle. But God's always trying to get us into a place where he can bless us. And sometimes we're not as blessable as we think. So I want to talk about... Uh, and, 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 you know, let's... Um, I was invited to a do a leadership weekend yesterday at another church. A guy called me and I said, no, I said, I'm kind of tied up for the next little while. And, um, I said, and he said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, Job. He said, what commentaries are you using? I said, I'm using my life. <laughs> I threw my commentaries away a number of years ago, probably 15 years ago. That's wrong. I sold some to a seminary and I gave some away. I didn't. I didn't throw them away. <laughs> I had the entire pulpit commentary. I had Spurgeon's psalms. They're beautiful, but I didn't understand his writing. And here's, and here's why I give them away is because there's nothing more dangerous than a secondhand revelation. It's what got us into deep weeds. If Adam wouldn't listen for himself. <laughs> he was sort of right, that woman, but he wasn't really right. I quote I quote a number of times Genesis 22 and 2 where God told Abraham listen to his wife but he didn't say the same thing to Adam didn't say the same thing to Job didn't say the same thing to David didn't say the same thing to Abraham at another point here, here's my point I think we need always be listening we got to have our ears open can't close your ears you can close your mouth. And I think that's probably, maybe if you wanted to summarize the book of Job, probably should be something like that, be a little bit more, two ears, one mouth, do the math. <clears throat> but what happens when we face adversity three things happen. When, I don't know if you want to call it adversity or calamity or tribulations or trials, but three things happen. We, 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 we do three things right away. This is what I've done the last 18 months. I, first of all, I question who I am, who God is, and who the enemy is. Who I am, who God is, and who the enemy is. I love that last phrase, great is our God. If you woke up in the morning and just said, great is my God, you'd be in good company. <clears throat> um, so, so I quit memorizing scripture quite a number of years ago. And the reason for that is God didn't save my brain. When I invite Christ into my life, I didn't invite him into my head. Invite him into my heart. And we can confuse the things that we have in our head with what the Lord wants to do in our heart. Did you hear me? I'm not saying don't memorize scripture. But I don't know if you know the stats on people that memorize scripture. All it does is it makes them feel knowledgeable. And you all know what knowledge does. Just make, makes you feel like you know it. I don't want to know it. I want to know him. what Paul would say, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. I want to know about him. I want to know him. I didn't come today to share some information with you. I came to minister the word of the Lord to you. It's going to require you to acknowledge that you may not know it all yet. Because if you think you know it all, I can't teach you anything. By the way, neither can God. James chapter 5. I'm going to use more scripture than I gave to the overhead people. Um, In verse 11, he's, so James is talking about Job. It's not Job. It's Job. Job. For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets that spoke in the name of the Lord. Verse eleven: We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. Job is an example of a man who endured patiently. There you go. let's just keep reading. From his experience, we see how the Lord's plan finally. We see how the Lord's plan finally ended in good. Why? Because he, God, not Job, he is full of tenderness and mercy. How will you get a good, how will you get a revelation of the tenderness and the mercy of God unless you're in a position where you need a revelation of the tenderness and the mercy of God? Not the information, because you probably know already that he's merciful. But how will you get that into your life so that every day, every minute of the day, whatever happens to you, you know this about the Lord, his tenderness and his mercy. What sort of a situation do you need to be in to know that he is good and always good in a time when you think the opposite? It ended good. Here's what I know about the book of Job. It ended way better than it started. Your life can end way better than it started. Your life can get way better than it's going. But it's gonna require your cooperation and mine. Sounds like I'm talking to you, I'm talking to me. It's gonna require our cooperation. We're told in Hebrews that today if you don't harden your heart when he speaks, and it says that because he speaks to us every day. He's speaking to you today before you arrived here. I was driving through an intersection about, about, about somewhere along 85th Avenue or Street. I don't know. I can always tell when the Lord speaks to me because I know exactly where I was. And I was thinking about the psalm about those that sow in tears reap in joy. Because I would prefer joy without the tears. Nobody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Everyone wants to be a diamond. No one wants to be cut and polished. (laughs) I remember remember thinking, yeah, I want the joy. I was just not keen about the tears. I've had enough tears. The the Passion Translation calls tears liquid words because God keeps our tears. Driving through the intersection... And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, "What if, what if I'm referring to prayer? Simple, hey? Those are so in tears. Those are so in tears. I wondered, I wondered, how much tears are really in my intercession? I kind of wonder if if my prayer doesn't touch me, how does it touch the Lord?" Sowing in tears. Sometimes we have tears just because we're offended, just because we're upset. I'm tempted to say some things today. I don't know. I don't know. I've been, the emails have been so quiet <laughs> since other people have been preaching. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I don't know. Let me just, let me just mosey along and see what happens. I want to take another look at, at um, Job. Here's what you need to learn about Job first and foremost. One of one of the most important things you know about Job. Job was fearful. I don't know if you knew that or not. If you read it, read it through, you can just read it through once. and You can pick that up. And he was a bit superstitious. He said he used to he used to offer sacrifices just in case his kids sinned or something. He was fearful. And here, you know why he's fearful? Because he was a man that was outside of the covenant. He didn't have a covenant. The book of Job is not one to be compared to a Christian life. Because you and I have a covenant. Job wasn't even under the Abrahamic covenant. So, so what happened at the fall, people became fearful. He was fearful. He would say partway through, that which I have feared has come upon me. So... It's quite a story. Kelly and I went for a little walk. We had our 40th anniversary, and I said, Sweetheart, do you know that 40 is a number of testing in scripture? She said, oh, Are we done? <laughs> I was hoping for a theological discussion, but <laughs> <laughs> there's things in the Bible. Just listen to me today. You're here to, you're here to hear, right? Yeah. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You got ears. You got spiritual ears or physical ears. You got ears, hear. Now, want Lauren is saying, what the Spirit is speaking to the church. He's saying some things to the church. He's saying, I think what he's saying to the church is I've had that, that, that I wish they'd wake up because the churches are filled with Christian narcissists. We think it's all about us. I'll, that's just the beginning. That's just the baby toe I'm stepping on now. That's a baby toe. But there's things in the Bible. When is the Bible not true? When it's taken out of context. We have have an unlimited ability to justify our behaviors. Enough to know that, enough to even make a thought that, you know what? Jesus was the biggest reason why wine showed up at weddings. Amazing. Amazing. We have an unlimited ability to justify our actions. And then what we'll do is we'll take scriptures until we find one. You see? That's dangerous, man. When's the Bible? The the, the book of Job is a historical book, which means it's accounted for accurately. It doesn't mean it's truth to live by. You can just think of Selah for a bit. Like, just think about that. It's true. It's an accurate historical rendering. And it's some place... It's it's written sometime after creation. In sometime in the middle of Genesis, someplace. We don't really know. But chronologically, it's the oldest book in that we have recorded in Scripture. So, so it's true, but listen to me carefully, please. Not everything in the Bible is truth to live by. Dear Lord, the father of lies. Is quoted in here. You need to have your specs on. The Bible's like no other book. We make claims that it still speaks today. We claim that God worked in authors as they scratched down on papyrus and expressed exactly what God wanted communicated. And we still read it today like it speaks today, and it does. But when you come to read the scriptures, you need to say, Lord, speak to me from these scriptures. I need to hear your voice fresh today. I don't need yesterday's manna. I need today's manna. And maybe yesterday was good for yesterday, but I need a revelation today. We need to come to the scriptures like we don't know that what we think we know. These, these books still have the power to instruct us, to correct us, to rebuke us, and to train us if we're willing to listen. One of the big themes in, in when you read through uh, Proverbs, the first one you need to settle with is it turned out better in the end than it started. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the mail I don't quite understand. There's a couple things I do understand. And the other thing you need to think about is that 99.9% of the problems in your life are the result of pride. 99.9% of the issues in our life that create strife and contention is pride. Another word for pride is selfishness, another word for pride is unteachability. Proverbs chapter 16 says that pride comes before destruction. Got some destruction in your life? I have. Main reason we struggle in life, especially me. It seems like one of the most offensive things to God is pride. Most would agree the opposite is humility. Proverbs 13 verse 10 says only by pride comes Contention. Are you in an argument with anybody right now and you just really, 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 really really want to be right? That's pride. It leads to arguments. Then scripture goes on to say that those who take advice are wise. Pride is unteachable and it blinds us. Don't nudge the person beside you, don't even move right now. It's unteachable. If, if we're not careful, we will miss our primary purpose in life. That is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That means to change. And I'm uncomfortable with change. None of you are, but I am. It's uncomfortable. But the bigger mandate for our lives is to be conformed to the image of Christ. We all want the kingdom, but we're not sure about the king. I've recently had an incredible brush, let me say, a uh, uh, um, karate chop to the throat with pride. I, I didn't know that tears could flow from that deep a place. But I needed to be confronted. When you're confronted... How do you deal with... Con- Here's what we typically do is we want to find somebody to blame. I'd rather live in a place of mystery and unexplained circumstances than attribute to God a lie, a lie that's not in alignment with his character. Situation theology... what We we change our theology to fit our circumstance rather than change our circumstance to conform to the image of Christ. Starting to feel it. By the end of the ordeal, Job had a revelation of God he never would have had from the beginning. Chapter 1, I'm just going to read a few passages and then we'll (laughs) preach for a bit, like to. Chapter 1, it says, There was a man named Job. So this is not an imaginary person, it's a real person. It's not a, not a made-up person, it's a real person. He lived in the land of Uz. It's, some, it's, play, it's northeastern Palestine between Damascus and the Euphrates. It says he was blameless and a man of complete integrity. Whoa. <laughs> Nothing. Um, it says that, <clears> the <throat> Bible, the words are getting smaller every week. I got love, I got a whole bunch of Bibles that have been given to me. A bunch of them are in large print. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is my old one. I love it so much because I know where things are, but dang, I need extensions on my arms. He owns 7,000 cattle and 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. Oh, He employed many servants, and he was, in fact, the richest person in the entire area. Every year, Job's sons had birthdays. They invited their brothers and sisters to join with them for a celebration. On these occasions, they'd get together and eat and drink. When the celebrations ended, sometimes they lasted several days. Job would purify his children. He would then get up early in the morning, offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, this is a thought. This is what he thought. Perhaps my children have sinned and, been, and have cursed God in their hearts. This was his regular practice. I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. I have, I have one of my adult children here today. I, I pray every morning for them and the grandkids. It doesn't seem like anything's wrong. Except he didn't have a revelation of who God was. And he never had a revelation of who the enemy was. He didn't know what he was fighting against. You and I have a revelation of who we're fighting against. Um, I, he um, says an example of a man that in the end he was full of that he knew that God was full of tenderness and mercy. Many have heard about Job. They've heard of his patients, they've heard of his daughters. For most of us, we don't understand the big story, myself included. But what's really important, the big issue, is we confuse the covenants. This was a man outside of the covenant. Even Abraham was promised protection because of the covenant he was in. Um, and But don't you know, you and I, you read chapter eight of Hebrews, you know you and I are under a better covenant. So when people compare my life to Job's, I thank them, but I know that for a follower of Christ, we are under a better covenant than Job was ever under. He knew about he didn't, he, he didn't know about the enemies in the heavenlies. And he didn't know about the prince of power of the air. But he had a, 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 some understanding of God, some knowledge of God. But by the time you get to the end, and, and, and this is my contention, you don't need to do this if you don't want to, but I don't think we should be quoting anything before chapter 38 of Job. Because he got schooled in chapter 38. The Lord asked him 77 questions. It's like speed questions. It's so cool. I don't have time to read them. Read them when you get home this afternoon. It's so cool. Some of the stuff that he asked them. And, uh, and then you read chapter 39. It's like Richard Attenborough's commentary. Were you there? When the crocodiles, if we look at them on the beach, on the beach, and their tails, they move so swiftly, the crocodile. He uses the word Leviathans. It probably was a sea monster of some kind. Who knows? Uh, and then by the time uh, you get to chapter 40, the Lord says to, he says to Job this, okay, get yourself a cup of coffee. Get comfortable. Get a cozy chair. He actually, in the, in the New Living, he says, brace yourself. Who is this who's darkened my counsel? I love that. Well, here's what happened. He, God was about to give him a revelation about who he was. Do you know know what's happened to me this last year? No, no, no. I don't mean the stuff. I've got a new revelation of what God's like. That's why I can sing, great. Great. I haven't seen the outcome yet. I've had so many prophecies about double portions. I'm going to start prophesying over people like Joe. I really feel that was a fresh word for him, though, today. so, you know what, but I'm starting to go, oh, man, I sure wasn't happy when stuff started to happen this year, last year, 18 months ago. I wonder how long it's going to take. You can always slow down the process of God. You can't speed it up. And he's, on, he's in a process of every one of your lives, taking you from where you are right now, from where you were called and purposed to be. Some of you understand and you respect that process. Other of you is like me; we fight it a little bit because it's uncomfortable. It says it says in um, you can you you probably should read this. But who is this who questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. <laughs> He's getting schooled. This is this is uh, it's one of the biggest challenges of our life. It's what happens between the promise and the manifestation. And here's what happens. People give up. I see people dropping out of church because it was, they said, well, you know, God didn't, he said he was going to do this and he didn't do it. Oh, yeah, how, how long did you give him? How much time does he need to get a hold of your heart and begin to change it? I never, ever thought I'd give thanks for what's taken place this year. But actually, I'm instructed to do so. We're not Christian masochists. We don't thank him for what's happened. We thank, it says that we're to thank him in, I'm to thank him not for what happened, but for who he is. Uh, maybe nobody's relating to what I'm saying. I'm just about to, uh, just, just, just brace yourself, because I have some questions for you. Um, Job quoted this. He, he said, he said this, the Lord, and this is very, we use this, we sing this. Oh, well, let me just read it. Well, I got my Bible. You got your Bible? You can read it in chapter 1, verse 21. Uh, I came into the room uh, naked. Sorry, the room naked. I came naked from my mother's womb. <laughs> came into the room naked. What? <laughs> and, I will be, and, and, and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave, gave me everything I had, and the Lord has taken it away. This isn't Jesus quoting that. Somebody feed Phil. (laughs) This isn't Jesus, it's Job. This isn't Jesus. For God so loved that he gave. It says of Job in that statement, he's in deep grief. What happens when we're in grief? And the whole bunch of us are. The whole world's grieving. We want to make some sense out of it. So we say, well, the Lord's in control. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we don't understand the covenant we're under. We're under a covenant of healing. Well, the Lord just took my health to teach me something. No, he didn't. Maybe you believe that. Have fun with that. I'm not going to live with disease. I'm not going to live with cancer any longer than I have to till I get that stuff killed and out of my body. We get these goofy ideas. This is the same as like saying, "Well, I think the fireman lit the fire.' There's, there's a funny thing, they're at all the fires. Just like the joggers. Joggers that always find dead people in the park. It's suspicious, isn't it, those joggers? The wicked run when no one chases them. Jogging is dangerous. Joggers are never happy people. They're carry, they're carrying. You never know what's up with them. Come on, get a grip, people. Firemen never started by fire and neither did God. God was not in the fire. You want to believe that? You go ahead. Knock yourself out. He was not in my fire, and he's not in your cancer. Jesus provided a better covenant. I have to yell. Apparently, (laughs) sorry. It gets. uh... Job, what you you gotta? If you, if, if you, and and he says this, and then he says this, and I wrote in my Bible in red. It said, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God yet. That's what I wrote in yet. Because when you read the next 37 chapters, you find that he's accusing and blaming God because he didn't know how to deal with his stuff, and he doesn't have a revelation that praises the highway. Uh, Chapter 42, verse 2, he says, I have uttered what I did not understand. And then in verse 6, he says, I take back everything I said, and I repent. Don't be quoting chapter 1 and verse 21 until you read the whole book and realize that he said, okay, I guess I didn't know you after all. I want you to read the whole book. Does the Lord give or does he take? Don't answer my Bible says he's a giver of all good gifts. That's what my Bible says. That's what my Bible says. I'm reading further on than Job. It's big because when things go off the rails, we want to blame somebody to justify our discomfort. I think we show the nature of God within us when we give because he's a giver. Church... Um, If you believe God's a taker, then you know what you're going to do is you're going to take. We welcome everybody to come and drink the river of life freely every week. About 7% of people in evangelical churches in North America tithe, give 10%. I think that's went down to, from the survey last year, in North America, I think that's went down to uh, uh, right around 4%. I don't, I don't know about your revelation for tithing or not. But if you have a revelation of God as a taker, what you'll always do is you'll come and take. Our church runs on about 11% of people consistently giving. We need a revelation of God as a giver. <clears throat> well, and, and in fact, we're instructed to give, especially when a drought's coming. You heard my, 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 my apocalyptic sermon. I rest my case. Satan is an accuser. Every time we align and we accuse someone or, some, or something of something, we align ourselves with the demonic agenda of darkness. Satan, that was never always his name. He got that because he accused. I'm about to get into it. When you examine... When you examine his character, you'll see pride, jealousy, fear, chaos, and strife. There's no order in the ranks of the demonic. I don't think so. The the myth of the deception goes deeper than that. Some even think he's the Lord of Hell, ruler supreme. He tried to torment Jesus. Have you read about that? Jesus took the keys. Are you ready? Those keys were taken. He couldn't touch him. He's not Lord of anything. And it's questionable if he's ever been. I don't even think he's in hell, running hell. Why? Because it's still at work in in the air. (laughs) There's going to be a day he's gonna go to the lake of fire and he's never gonna get out again. Did you know that? <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna sum it up for a minute. Give me a little bit more time. He doesn't even torment people in hell. He's tormented. Step on anybody's toes yet? You can think differently if you want. Dualism presents a tug-of-war between God and the devil that leaves man helpless a victim to be trapped between two superpowers, this does two things. It denies the finished work of Christ and it minimizes the position of mankind. I'm talking about the enemy. He's not wise. He knows he can't win. He's not wise. He knows he can't win. <laughs> Yet he continues to try. There's no creature that's ever been created that's more prideful, selfish, and unteachable. The most Common disempowering myth about Satan is a belief that there is a life and death struggle with God over the world. We may not say it out loud, but in our hearts there's this lie that's lodged there somewhere, somehow, that the souls of men hide, hang in the balance, and nothing can be further from the truth. The souls of mankind hangs in the balance of personal choice. Do you believe that he is a defeated foe? There's a question. I I never I never heard the conviction because there's a question. <clears throat> the outcome of the battle between God and the devil was determined when Jesus Christ rose from the dead and stripped him of all of his power. The most accepted theories deny the word of God and the completed work of the cross of Jesus Christ. What we know is he was not originally like he is today. He was not the accuser of the brethren. He was not always the one who was attempting to overthrow the throne of God. There was a time when he was a cherub created by God. And Ezekiel chapter 28 says he was called the anointed cherub. He is not a rival creator. He can't create. There is not a fight between two rivals wrestling for the destiny of mankind because there's no equality of power. There is one who holds the power, and it's not him. The word Satan means accuser. But I don't know if you read chapter 12 of Revelation, but it says the accuser of the brethren is now cast down. He no longer has access to the throne room to be accusing you before God. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He is no longer up there accusing you before God. But you have a fallen nature that if you're not careful, you'll confuse the, the, who's the enemy is. I'll tell you, look in the mirror and you'll see who your enemy is. Carnal Christianity. He's an unemployed cherub that's upset with his boss. Any authority or position of power is gone unless he can deceive you into thinking he's big and powerful. What kind of wisdom would threaten the king of glory? He's known for thousands of years that the word of God has always been true. Why would he, what would motivate him to try and kill the Son of God. What you believe about the enemy will ultimately determine what you believe about God. Matthew 28 says, All authority on heaven and earth is given unto all authority. There's, there, is def- there is no definitive room to question Satan has no authority. There's nothing you and I could do to reinstate him. Nothing will give him back his power unless Jesus decided to do so. If this doesn't challenge your doctrine, just keep listening for a minute. Don't diminish the work of Christ and don't diminish your authority. If you do, you will become a victim. Why do, good, why, do bad, why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we don't understand our covenant. Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we don't understand our authority. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because we don't understand that Satan's a defeated foe. Yeah, yeah, there's a tussle going on. I get that. In, sort of in closing. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Is he a giver or a taker? He's a giver. I don't know about your experience. I know about mine. I've lost a bunch of stuff. All, all loss is, is temporary. Sure, there's been some crushing Sure, there might be a battle. Sure, there may be some dark days. And believe me, I've looked into the dark night and realized that's the condition of my soul. But until you take a stand for who you are as a child of the Lord of the angel armies of heaven, the the enemy of your soul will continue to try and taunt you and deceive you into thinking he's all powerful. That you are seated with Christ and, and, and get this, I sometimes, when I don't feel like I, I don't know how to intercede anymore, I remember a promise from Hebrews chapter 7, there was one who was interceding for me. Job didn't have anyone interceding for him. We need people interceding for us, but my, the great intercessor is interceding for you and I. No, no, this is, this is really good news. The best intercessor in the world don't know how to intercede like Jesus. You were seated in Christ. He's interceding for you. And he will not take any sass from a former employee because ho- he's hoping that you will take him at his word and believe that he came once and for all to remove the power of sin. You just—I just I just can't read Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 without wanting to get up and shout a little bit. This is that... Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your hearts from deeds that lead to death. Just think about that. A little further down. He came once for, for, he came once for all time at the end of the age to remove the power of sin forever. Do you want to know, know that? here I'm just trying to help us. Sin is not that big of a deal. But your, your mindsets and your belief systems are a big deal. I can, you can get sin can get under the blood and get delivered in a nanosecond, but the but the way that we think about who we are, who Christ is, who our enemy is, that takes the power of heaven to move. And he, and then he says, "I love this because he says he's not going to remember it anymore." I love that. Thank you, Lord. And so also Christ died only once as a sacrifice to take away this our sins forever. Sin's not a big deal. Don't make it a big deal. Just get off of your good intentions and get a revelation of who God really is and who you really are. No, no, but begin to talk about it as you're in the shower, in your car. Today, when he speaks, you don't harden your heart. I don't know why we don't feel the presence of God more. I wonder, I don't know who's the issue that is, but I know I sure play a part in that. Mm. He removed the power of sin he removed the power of sin forever by a sacrificial death for us. Read it in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14 and how much more? I know you're getting tired. Hold on we're. we're Job lived in fear, which is the natural state of fallen man. And he worshipped in fear. He's making decisions out of fear. Any decision that's made in fear will not end well. No decision that's made in fear will end well. There is no decision that you make that's motivated by fear that will go well with you. Anytime you pray in fear, it won't go well with you. When you pray out of fear, it won't go well with you. When you speak in fear, when you decide in fear, it won't go well with you. But if your heart's open, the Lord is at work in you today. He's at work in me today. And no circumstance and no demon from hell can get the authority in your place and take the place of his worship that we're responsible for. No demon can destroy your life unless you give him permission. Uh, most important difference between Job and a new covenant believer is we are new creatures Job is a natural man We've been given the name of Jesus. We've been given the power of the blood. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We have precious promises. We have the armor of God. We've been given the gifts of the Spirit. We've been given keys of the kingdom. We've been given the Word of God. We've been given the power of faith to move mountains. We've been given the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, and Job wasn't. That's all, stand. Apparently, I got to wrap it up. Job never had an intercessor. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.